It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. Since March of this year, we've all been living in a COVID-19 world where the physical health of everyone has been front and center, so to speak. So if you go to my website, which is www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com, you'll see a link for Boomers Forever Young there. And this company produces some world-class nutritional products to help all of us stay healthy. One of their most important products is something called Gladiator Barley, and that assists in reducing inflammation throughout your body. Um, A lot of people don't realize it, but inflammation is the source of almost all disease. And finding ways to lower it is going to give you a much better chance to stay healthy and ward off any illness, including COVID-19 or whatever else comes up, you know, after COVID-19. So just click on their banner and you can sign up for their free health uh, newsletter. And if you decide to order one of their products, if you use my name, Lucy, L-U-C-Y, and the promo code, you will get $5 off of your order. So now today I want to welcome my guest, Jenny Lee. And uh, Jenny has uh, been an expert in the fields of both yoga therapy and spiritual living uh, for 20 years. Um, She looks very young for having done that for 20 years. Uh, But she also coaches private clients. And she has a new book uh, called Spark Change. And it's 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And it was just released. And I've had a good time going through it. So as Jenny Lee states in her book, um, it's so important to know how to ask the right question of ourselves. So welcome to the show, Jenny Lee. Hi, Lucy. I'm really happy to be chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm thrilled. I'd love to be where you are right now, which is in Oahu. That's right. Hawaii is a beautiful place to be right now, even though we've just come out of our second phase of complete shutdown, we're, we're reopening. So that's good. <laughs> How do you shut down an island? Uh, well, yeah, the same way you shut down anywhere, just close all the stores and maybe actually even um, kept us off the beaches and things for a while. Uh, at least they tried. They, they can't keep us out of the water, but <laughs> they requested that people not be sitting on the beach. So at least now we're, we're coming through the worst of that. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to handle um, with, you know, like friends, neighbors, uh, having their relatives all come to get out of winter? Are they going to put something in place? Well, yeah, they're working on the plans right now for reopening tourism. I think there's going to be a phased plan and it has all to do with the testing. So we'll see what they come up with, but that should be maybe happening sometime in October. Well, that would be good. I know there is, um, oh, there's a number of different ways of, of doing quick testing uh, these days, but there is an organization here in the Tampa area called Advent Health. And there is a doctor, as I understand it, who basically has something that um, you can, I guess you can hold it to your head, is my understanding. And it will tell whether you're positive or negative. It's not, um, it's not like taking your temperature. So I'm not exactly sure how it works. 
But if they come up with something like that, I think it'll open up airports and travel in general because you won't have people that are just standing in line forever to try to come into a facility. Well, that would be great. Um, ready for some of those changes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to get hold of you after this show, what is the best way for them to reach you? My website is my name, Jenny Lee. So it's J-E-N-N-I-E-L-E-E, yogatherapy.com. And um, they can certainly reach out to me there, send me a message or get a free excerpt of my latest book, Spark Change. And um, there's all kinds of information about my coaching and all of that there. Okay. Because um, I, I have a feeling that you're going to get requests uh, that... Uh, you know, they'll need to know how to find you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your new book? Because like I said, I had fun going through it. And these 108 questions are very provocative. Well, thank you. Yes. Um, so Spark Change uh, is my offering in terms of um, getting people to ask difficult questions, uh, engaging questions. Let's not say difficult, engaging questions um, to start thinking differently about where they are in life right now. And I think that's something that on everybody's mind, it's like, is what we've been doing working and where do we go from here and um, what really matters and all of these things that are in people's minds, what I've done is, and actually this book was in process way before COVID came to be our reality, um, because I, I do believe that questions are a very fundamental part of how we move through times of transition in our lives. So it is laid out as 12 um, chapters or 12 themes that, and someone could easily just open the book to a particular theme and look at the questions under that, or they could work their way from start to finish and see what the whole process of change that I lay out for someone is. Um, so there's a couple different ways of working with the book. So how did you decide to write something like this? It really came from my uh, coaching practice. So I've been a, a coach as a yoga therapist for over 20 years. And what that really is, I, often I'm working with people who are in times of transition. You know, they're feeling stuck in some way in their life. They're feeling like something is missing or they're just dissatisfied. Um, maybe they're going through some sort of loss of a job or a relationship. And um, so they're looking for those next steps. They're looking for clarity. And I have found that honing my questions in a way that gets them to think outside of their normal ways of thinking is one of the greatest gifts that I can bring to that coaching process. Um, certainly, as we were talking about earlier, listening to someone, empathizing and understanding their circumstance is an essential part of it as well. But um, to help them think beyond their repetitive patterns of thinking that maybe have gotten them to that place of feeling stuck is also really important. And so the questions uh, that I'm offering in Spark Change, are many of them come from the years of coaching work that I've done. Okay. I, I you know, one of the things that um, I certainly know from being a therapist myself is that you, we get into these repetitive patterns mostly out of our family of origin. It's, it's whatever the repetitive historical patterns are there. Is that what you have found as well? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, there's so much that's imprinted on the human psyche, even before the time of, you know, cognition and ability to formulate words. And so, so many of our beliefs are, are imprinted really, really early. And it's something that I work with nearly every client on unwinding beliefs and repetitive self-talk, negative patterns of thinking that have gotten them to not feeling good about themselves or some part of their life in some way. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just a reality, but it's also a reality that I know we can change. And so I'm very much of a strong advocate for giving people that hope and agency that they can take control of their thoughts and change them. Um, I've done some workshops with a gentleman who uh, talks about this as rewriting your narrative, that we begin to believe that this is who we are and we just keep going along that same road until it gets so uncomfortable that you have to do it differently. And that's when people are ready to look at whatever narrative they've lived and rewrite it. Um, do you, have you found that to be the case that people have reached that point where they go, I just can't do this anymore? You know, I think what takes people into change is either a tremendous amount of pain, like what you're talking about, where they've just hit kind of an impasse or they've hit rock bottom in some way, or just such discomfort with the way things have been going that they're sort of forced into doing something different or those who are more proactive, you know, we can also be very proactive about changing things that we know aren't working. And that's where the empowerment comes in. Um, so yes, I mean, I think that many people do kind of just get to that point where they're sort of desperate for change. But I also think that there's, if we can make friends with the process of change and recognize that it is actually in our proactive approach to it, that we find the greatest empowerment, then it becomes a different experience. How many of the people that you have worked with, as they look at, you know, the changes that they actually know they're going to have to make, um, fear becomes just this overwhelming uh, sensation, like, oh my goodness, if I do it this way, then what becomes of who I think I am? Yeah, the, the self-identity that we create around the structures of our life, you know, the, our relational roles, our job titles, etc., um, become very entrenched for some people. And so when they, then they think about change, they think, well, if I'm no longer doing this job, well, then who, how, who am I? How will I be perceived or how will I know myself in some other role? And it can be very threatening. I mean, the, I come from a background in yoga, yogic studies, yoga philosophy, and they talk about this in the, from the standpoint of the ego, you know, and the self, the identity of self as the personality and the story that we have created and experienced as, as human beings. Um, but that being in only one part of our, our experience and that we actually are great divine essences, call it souls that are here for a purpose. And we uh, need to not limit ourselves in from that human story. And so that's part of, you know, why I wrote this book as well, the subtitle being 108 provocative questions for spiritual evolution. And so it's really acknowledging that we are 
spirit as well as human? And how do we honor that? And how do we step into what that spirit is really calling for in this life? Mm -hmm. um, I remember oh, many years ago now for myself, I was uh, helping funeral directors actually all across America set up programs because it used to be that they you know, would just bury the individual and, you know, have the funeral and take care of those details. But they didn't have anything for families after the fact. And that's kind of where I came in about, uh, gosh, 30 plus years ago now. So one of the things that I would explain uh, to funeral directors was that our lives basically from the time we're born is all about letting go and changing and loss. Um, because, you know, we give up binkies, uh, you give up baby beds, you uh, give up staying home with mom and going off to preschool. I mean, there's just one situation after another with friendships or people who die as you get older. And so we're always making those changes and um, alterations in our lives, which then reframes who we are. So even with retirement, I know they did studies a lot of years ago now, maybe like 40 at least um, at Ford Motor Company. And they found that people that did not have meaningful relationships after retirement or hobbies or something that they were invested in, a good many of them, high percentage, were dying within a year of retirement because their life had been defined by you know, what their role was at Ford Motor. So, and we see that with empty nesters too. So I don't know how many of these kind of individuals you are coaching, but I'm sure you're seeing that same pattern where they're having to learn to redefine who they are, to recreate themselves. Absolutely. And there is a chapter on purpose in Spark Change. And one of the questions I ask, I don't have it in front of me right at the moment, but it has to do with um, your purpose in this moment. And it's really about asking yourself what it is right now that matters most or that you're feeling most called to be creative in or to serve in. And so that changes very much. I mean, we, our purpose certainly wouldn't be the same at age 72 as it would be at age 22. No. So it is an evolving process that we, we all need to engage with really consciously. And I think, you know, you were talking about loss as, um, a constant part of life. And it certainly is. We're always giving things up, but just as in nature, the, the dying cycle is also the predecessor to a new growing cycle. And so I do also believe that throughout our lives, as we're giving things up, we're also creating space to make new things grow. So it's a, that's, it's all part of it, right? And we've got to accept all of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go into the woods, which I love to do, you see all of the older trees that maybe have parts of them that have been struck by lightning or they've, you know, died due to some sort of a disease. And then you've got all these little sprouts that are beginning to come up. And so it is, it's a cycle, you know, that we need to sort of embrace that. Um, uh, I remember Barbara Bush years ago saying that, you know, she was, it's, it was some expression of I, um, what you see is what you get, I believe was her expression. And I always liked that because she didn't try to be, you know, 30 something or 40 something or 50 something anymore. When she was in the White House, you know, she had white hair and she was older. 
and she embraced who she was at that moment. So that is a part of, of all of us as we evolve from one stage of life to another. I think um, that's such a critical part, Lucy. It's really a critical part of our ability to evolve well mm -hmm. is that self-acceptance. Um, there's a chapter in the book about acceptance as well. So because that is such a big and important part of being able to move through all the changes that life brings to us. Um, some of which we choose, some of which we don't, but the self-acceptance within it is, is key to finding peace and being able to continue moving forward. Yeah. You, one of the comments that you say, and I don't remember which chapter this was even in, quite honestly, but I had jotted down a few things that were meaningful to me. And one was that spirit uh, helps to guide us. And, and help move us beyond any of our limiting thoughts. So maybe you might want to talk about that, how spirit actually is a part of our life. And I refer to them as my guides um, because they're with me all the time. I mean, they talk to me periodically uh, when I'm quiet enough to listen. <laughs> but, um, you know, they are. They're always in the background for every one of us. But most of us are so busy all the time because we don't meditate or we're not quiet enough to actually hear them talking or guiding us. So how would you like to maybe share how spirit works with you and how you've seen spirit work with others? Sure, I think you know people have many different conceptions of what we're calling spirit. And when I speak with clients, I'm always trying to understand their their spiritual framework. You know, many people might have been raised with a particular religious structure, and then maybe that doesn't work for them anymore, but they haven't quite been able to define what spirit is for them, but they know there's something greater than themselves. So I try to get people to describe, you know, how they've experienced something greater than themselves. And maybe um, many people describe it feeling that transcendency when they're in nature, uh, when they're in a magnificent place of expansion in nature or they have felt it in deep communion with a loved one where they just don't feel you know they feel no limitations of their own self-interest and they're just there really present with that other person or um, some people feel it in in prayer or in meditation that that is my practice I do a daily meditation practice and it's my time to um, to quiet those restless thoughts, those often self-limiting thoughts that arise, and to say, you know, I know I'm a part of an energy that is so much greater than me. I want to feel that connection. Open me to feeling that connection and, and guide me you know, and who I'm talking to, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you experience it as angels or guides or your intuition or God or just the energy of the universe, to me, it's all really one in the same. It just is how we personally experience it. And, but that presence um, that I refer to as spirit in the book is very much there for us that much i know personally when we take the time to tune in it is there very much there for us and will help us overcome the limitations that we feel in our lives whether that be limitations in our thinking or limitations in our external lives so how do you help somebody learn how to tune in as you say hmm. 
Um, well, again, it, it's very personal. So first I'm going to speak with them about what their spiritual framework is, their understanding of, of spirit or anything tra of transcendent nature. Um, and then kind of work from there. I mean, I'm not here to impose my belief structure on anyone. I really want to understand what theirs is. And then I just try to ask questions that get them to think about times when they have not felt limited or they have experienced a sense of surety uh, or assurance when they just felt a sort of deep peace or trust. And the more that we can connect back to those moments, the more we can start to build on them. And it's kind of like a muscle. Um, the trust muscle has to be built uh, because we need to spend time with that, that presence. Um, often I refer to it as love, the presence of love. To me, the, the energy of the universe that really holds us all together is love. So we've got to connect to that and we've got to spend time with it. Just like you wouldn't have a relationship with your spouse if you never spent time with them. So we've got to take time, whether it's sitting in a beautiful place in nature or sitting on a meditation cushion or sitting in a church, whatever is meaningful to the person, um, to connect, to spend time with that, that, that which is greater than themselves. Mm. Um, something else that I remember um, reading someplace along in your book was that um, curiosity and wonder was just a beautiful place to help people learn how to be. That if, if we can approach our adult life much like we did as a child, where everything was amazing and full of that wonderment. And so how, how do you help people kind of get into that place? Well, I think just opening up the discussion is the first thing, because as we age, we get pretty jaded. We feel like we've seen it all, we've done it all, we've heard it all, or just over it. And, you know, we've kind of set in our opinions and um, not, you know, things don't feel as fresh or or as interesting maybe, but this sense of wonder, you know, the universe is pretty infinite and we get pretty myopic in looking at our little corner of the universe and thinking that we've got it all figured out and we're, you know, it's, it's, I know I can feel kind of exhausted by it sometimes, but when I step back and I move into more of that childlike beginner mind that, you know, the child who's so curious and so in awe of the tiniest little caterpillar or something. And we, we can step back and look at that creation and the details of creation with this sense of, well, I wonder why the creative force painted that caterpillar with that particular design. You know, that's pretty amazing and how it's all put together. I, my, uh, one of my spiritual teachers said, um, we don't age well if we lose our sense of wonder. And I, that really struck me um, because I thought, wow, I want to age well. And, <laughs> and I, I know I feel more joyful when I am in that state of curiosity and wonder and I am more creative as well so it's something I I try to hang on to <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that you do um, one of the interesting things that has happened just probably in the last year or so is um, I have a, a friend who actually speaks with angels and you know she, she has told me that our whole purpose in life is to experience joy you know, that we get too 
caught up in the humdrum of life and the survival of life. And that we forget that even as a child who really might have nothing, if we look at um, Africa or someplace like that, they still, as children, you know, can look around them and find joy. And there was a place um, not too far south of where I live, a beach that's down there, and there was a woman that uh, happened to spot, uh, you know, a friend of mine and myself there. And she came up to us and she said, looking at the two of you gives me such joy and hope. And I thought that was just very interesting because so many people, when they see us together, have that sensation of peacefulness or joy and they just smile or, you know, like offer some statement to us such as she did. So I know it's there and I know it's very tangible and it's something that we need to probably all try to get back in touch with because right now we're living at a time where it's not a very joyful or peaceful place. <laughs> well, that's true. And, you know, I think an important aspect to that is unplugging from the news at a certain point during the day, <laughs> if not all day. No, I mean, we need to know what's happening, but we, we also need to unplug from it and not make it the entirety of our reality because what's happening in the world is just a tiny part of reality. It so is. there's, there's so much else that's going on besides what the news is repeating and we we know that just by being present in our connections with friends and family during the day and recognizing that there is still love and hope and joy existing in the world which you would never know if you were just watching the news and um isn't it sad in a way that we don't have at least half and half like half of the news might be the reality of some pretty bad things that are going on, but maybe the other half, you know, positive messages of people that are coping, they're helping each other, they're moving through not only the pandemic, but the fires, the floods, you know, the anything that's going on that's more on the negative side. Uh, it would be wonderful if we could get a balance, and it just seems like we don't have that. It really would. It's, it's unfortunate that our media has skewed is so negative. Because, you know, everybody struggles with their own negative thoughts and fears. And it is unfortunate that we're not spending more time in the media and social media in lifting each other up. And it's something that I, um, I try to do in my social media is be inspiring and offer people things that are helpful. And, you know, and we can all do that in our circles of influence. Um, even if it's just to our neighbor or somebody, a stranger at the supermarket, we can be kind and, and helpful and hopeful. And we really are truly all in this human experience together. And so the more that we do that, not only are we helping others, but we're helping ourselves because we're creating an environment which is so much nicer to live in than the backbiting, acrimonious world of the news. Yeah, that's very true. I know that there's going to be people that, um, you know, say, well, how do I keep those negative thoughts from interfering with my life? What do you say to that? Hmm. You know, we can't stop the thoughts that come in, you know, thoughts do come into our minds unbidden. Um, like we were talking about earlier, often it's because of 
things that we were told or heard repetitively when we were young and we've just embodied those belief systems and so those thoughts are are you know consist consistently there so we can't always we can't control what comes in but we can control what stays so what i tell people is to begin to watch their thoughts um notice how often you're thinking a particular thought firstly notice if the thought is and this is a question in the book is this thought causing me uh, suffering in some way I, I don't remember how it's phrased but is it helping me or hurting me that's what it is is this thought helping me or hurting me and I think that's an important question because when we start to notice what we're spending time with in our own mind and if it's a negative thought that's hurting you it's, it's pulling you down, it's draining your energy, it's not moving you forward in creative ways. And so why would you stick around with that? I mean, why would you stick around with a friend that was just negative, negative, negative all the time? You wouldn't wanna be with them. So why do you wanna be with it in your own mind? You can notice it and then you can replace it with something positive, something loving, something kind, whether it's for yourself or to someone else. We have a choice of the thoughts that we hold on to. No, that's very true. Um, and, and I don't think people quite understand that, that they do actually have a choice whether they focus in one direction or another. Um, it's easier to redirect a child sometimes than it is to redirect an adult, especially if they're over the age of 50. And as you said earlier, you know, maybe have very set ways of doing things. I noticed with the retirement population, you know, their focus is more on doctor's appointments and, um, you know, doing the mundane, like let's meet for coffee every day at McDonald's and hash out the world. But I mean, they're, they're not uh, looking at new ways to invent their life or learn a new skill or rediscover maybe um, a talent that they once had and didn't have time for. And now they can go back to well, exactly. And that's what's going to keep life fresh for them. I, I have a dear friend. She is my model for retirement. Um, she retired from a lengthy career as a principal of an uh, elementary school, very beloved. And um, when she retired, she was practicing yoga and she loved it. It was just her hobby. But she decided that she was going to take a yoga teacher training. And she did that for fun in her retirement. And now she teaches. She teaches yoga classes. Um, she's done some trauma-centered yoga. She's very involved as a volunteer in different um, communities that work with trauma victims. She's, she's, and she's vibrant. She's beautiful and just so alive with energy and creativity and love. I mean, she really is like, like I said, she's my model for retirement. <laughs> she really knows how to spark change for sure. Um, so yeah, it's possible at any age. And I think it's about following the things that really call to our hearts. Right. Um, and in, in a way, I mean, it sort of fits because if she was the principal of a school, obviously she cared about her teachers and her students for a long career. And now she car carries, um, the same kind of maybe joy and happiness in working with her, um, I guess you would refer to them as clients in yoga. Yeah, or students, yeah. Or students, students, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, she's kind of transferred some of that loving energy over 
to something that she also loves. Do, do people come to you um, on an individual basis maybe? And, you know, because of your yoga background, they're trying to figure out what is my purpose in life? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a common um, question, I think, for people. And, you know, the reason it's common, I think, is because we all have a purpose. We feel this innate uh, drive to have some sense of purpose. And so I do believe that is a part of what we're meant to have. It's, it's why we're here. We, if we're here, we have a purpose. And if we're not tuning into it intentionally, we're kind of missing, missing the game because not only is it going to make us happier if we're living on purpose, but we're, we're also going to probably be in greater service to others. And that's really what brings our greatest happiness is when we're doing something we love and it's helping others. Um, that's to me the greatest measure of success. And, and, and going back to the example of my friend, you know, she loved yoga. She now loves sharing it. She brings all this joy and passion to it and she's helping people. So, um, I, it is a common question and it's something that I like to work with people on. And I work with people of all different ages from people in their late teens who are making that question maybe for the first time as they assess whether or not to go to college or go into some career path, all the way up to retirees who are, like you said, in a new stage of life where maybe the old identity, work identity has fallen away or the kids have left home and the sense of purpose that comes through parenting is no longer there. I, I'm an empty nester myself. So um, that was definitely a big transitional time for me to reframe what my purpose was gonna be after my son left. I had been a single mom for 10 years. So I understand it's, it's a constantly changing process. Mm. And if somebody is trying to figure out what their, you know, maybe purpose is at this moment in their life, are there steps that you guide them through as far as, okay, you can begin by doing whatever this is? Yeah, I do have, I do have a process um, around that. It, it probably with bigger than the scope of our conversation today, but um, there's a chapter on purpose in the book that leads three people through nine questions around this topic. And it would be a good one to, like I said, you don't have to read the book cover to cover. You could pop into that chapter if that's something that's really up for you. Right. Um, I, let me just open the book and see if we, if I could share a question from that chapter since we're on the topic. Let's see. So, um, well, this is one that I love right now. This one is very apropos. I think it's, if I could change, if I could, sorry, if I could, what one thing would I change about the world? And the way that has to do with purpose is because when we see something that we're dissatisfied with, you know, the tendency I think is for people to just sit around and be, complain and moan about the problem. But when we step into more of a solution mode and we say, well, I'd really like that to change. So how can I bring my skill set to making an effort in that? Maybe it's helping um, the cause around voting. And so we feel very strongly about people needing to vote. So we get involved with a volunteer group that is encouraging education around voting or you know whatever it is that we feel we'd like to see change that is a great entry point for 
thinking about our own purpose. Yeah, I would definitely agree because um, I, I don't think even, even uh, teens, because uh, I'm just reflecting here that even some of the people that I know that are, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, they are so upset with the political climate that we're in and, you know, not addressing things like climate change. And, you know, it's very distressing for them, but they're not taking any personal action. And that's kind of where I go is like, you know, you don't, you're not going to be able to on a singular basis change the world, but every person that's out there can do one thing that would make a difference in their immediate family or their immediate neighborhood or their church or their school, they can take some action. And we see little guys doing this that are on the news all the time that saw a need and then they got involved and they're 12 years old, they're 10 years old. So we know that it can happen, but it's taking that next step. You know, don't Absolutely. talk about it, take action. Absolutely. You're so right. And isn't it inspiring when we see those youngest ones yes. making such a big difference? And so again, change can happen at the youngest age. It can happen at the oldest age. There's never a time when we're here that we can't impact some change in a positive way if we're, if we're motivated to do so. And so it's about taking accountability and bringing our willpower to it and just taking action, like you said, even the smallest step. And those drops in the bucket over time fill the bucket. And then we, we have an overflow. Right. You remember the story? Um, I don't even know where I heard this, but I, I always liked it, of the donkey that fell in the well. And they I couldn't figure out how to get him out. So they were just going to bury him. And they kept throwing in dirt. And the dirt would hit him. And then it would go down and he would step up. Oh. And eventually he got to the top of the well and stepped out. <laughs> that's a great story. Yes. And that's so true. I think that, you know, uh, often when I'm talking to somebody about establishing a meditation practice, people get very frustrated when they first start because it just seems so difficult. Their body's uncomfortable. Their mind is racing. You know, it just seems like an impossible task to get quiet. Um, but it's the it's that same principle of one drop at a time or one little bit of stepping up at a time and I have noticed after practicing meditation for over 10 years that often I don't feel necessarily super peaceful while I'm sitting there but I do notice a difference in the rest of my day so the effect is cumulative and we have to trust that process and trust that even if we're just doing a little bit we are contributing to a greater whole Mm-hmm. Um, I often have told people just, you know, that have difficulty doing it inside of a room to go sit under a tree because trees have amazing energy about them and, you know, learn to listen to the leaves and listen to the insects and things around you. And that quiets the mind from all of the chatter that typically takes place in our head. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And, and also that sense of being with something so big, like a big, beautiful tree or sitting on a mountaintop. Uh, when I met my husband, he, uh, he's a mountain bike rider and he had never meditated before. But when I started telling him about meditation, he's like, oh, well, I, I often will sit at the top of the mountain and just have some quiet time after I've ridden up the big hill. And that's my, that's my stillness. He goes, and I just kind of commune with nature. And so that's, that's also just a beautiful way of coming into communion with that sense of 
that which is greater than than self yeah yeah and that's neat that uh, the two of you connected with that you know because each of you understood what the other one was saying in other words <laughs> Exactly. In different words. And mm -hmm. I think this is so important that we, this is going back to the topic of wonder. You know, when we meet somebody who has had a very different life experience, maybe they have different um, beliefs than we do. I think one of the greatest things we can bring to that relationship is wonder. Like, I wonder why they feel that way. Or I wonder how they've come to this point in their life. Like be curious about them and seek understanding. Because as we seek understanding between one another, we do start to find commonalities. Maybe it's in different language or in a slightly different experience, but oh, we've, we have had some similar experiences. And then we, when we do that, we start to see people who seem quite different from us as not being quite so different from us. And that's, that's a great thing. <laughs> Um, yes, it is. And in fact, um, I think, you know, if, if that was a focus and had been a focus for the last, say, 50 years, uh, maybe politically and maybe internationally, we'd be in much different places today. I think we would. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one of the questions that I really loved, and I wanted to address this before we finished everything today, but your fourth question I thought was amazing. And it was, what do I fear would happen if I made the change I need to make? So when you ask that question of yourself, you know, typically what kind of answers have you seen happening, you know, with people that really do think about why am I staying stuck? You know, if I know that I need to change, then what's the fear that's holding me back? Mm -hmm. Well, fear is a big thing, is for sure. It's what stops most people from making change. Um, and the only way to get around it is to bring more love to the equation. Because as we know, love and fear can't stand in the same room. And so the, we, we, as we bring a greater sense of love to that which we're fearing, it starts to diminish the fear. And so if I'm trying to think of a quick example, I know we're getting close to our time together, but um, we, that which we want more is that which we love, you know, that's what's calling our, our, from the standpoint of love really at the highest level, that which we're really wanting to move towards, whether that's more freedom or more, um, more understanding. And so it might be a difficult conversation, let's say. We're afraid to, that if we have this difficult conversation with somebody, that they won't be our, our friend anymore. But if we just bring the, the desire for understanding, the love for that person, and we really want a deeper connection, then we can overcome the fear of the difficult conversation and we can, we can get there. So it's kind of a replacement again, replacing the negative thought with a positive one, replacing the fear with greater love. Um, and that's a short answer to a big question that we're kind of wrapping up with here. <laughs> Well, but that's, that's so very true. Um, you know, again, I'm thinking of parents who, you know, maybe have a fear that uh, one of their children is involved with drugs. And, you know, this is uh, something that I've dealt with in counseling families. 
and they're afraid to say anything because if they say something, then they'll know the truth. So, you know, they kind of avoid um, finding out, even though that might save the child's life, is asking the tough questions. Well, just because you don't know the truth doesn't mean that it goes away. So I would say <laughs> face it head on and have the conversation because you're, you're showing much greater love for your child and for yourself and for everyone involved if, if you do. Right. And I mean, that's true across the board um you know we've got a couple more minutes here so I, i'm just exploring this with you because you know somebody who you know they're damaging their health for instance you know because of um maybe not exercising maybe not sleeping well maybe you know their dietary habits are poor but you're afraid to address it with them um and you know so out of love for not causing a disruption you know between the two of you you avoid it. And I've seen that, you know, where if somebody maybe had said something and approached it as, you know, taking the ownership, but, uh, you know, I'm terribly afraid that I'm going to lose you, you know, right. because you're not, um, you know, staying as healthy as, as I would want you to be. And, you know, I want us to have a long future together and your habits right now are frightening me, but I mean, owning it in some way that doesn't, accuse them of anything but owning it as a fear that you have no, and maybe I think seeing if there's a solution how you said it was so perfect lucy i mean you phrased it just beautifully it's not a judgment and we do need to be careful of that when we're making a suggestion to someone else we're, we're not here to change them we can't change anyone else but as you phrased it it was my concern i'm concerned for you and mm -hmm. i'm you know, I want a long-term relationship with you and have you considered, you know, potentially making this change and no one can make it but you, but I'm only sharing it because I care about you. And right, right. You know, those are all um, very real concerns, you know, in today's world. Um, and, as, you know, again, especially as we're looking at um, some of the focuses that COVID-19 has made us look at. I mean, we've realized very acutely that our own personal habits are going to keep us healthy or not. And we've realized that our government as a whole needs to address our healthcare system and, and the focus there. Um, but business, I don't know about Hawaii, whether your businesses have suffered as much as the ones around here, but a lot of the restaurants that deal with tourism for us, for sure, um, you know, they are closed. Oh yeah, we're completely closed to tourism and that's such a big part of the economy here in Hawaii that many, many businesses have suffered and many will never reopen. And it's very sad for those small business owners because it's been, it's been really crushing here to not have tourism for the last six or so months. Well, right. I mean, even if you were, I, I can see if you were taking uh, surfboard riding, you could be six feet apart. And, you know, restaurants have to be at 50% capacity still. Um, but, you know, there's just a lot of things, you know, with regular malls and stores where people are not going anymore. And that may not change for much of uh, 2021, unfortunately. Yeah. Inter international travel, I'm not sure how that's going to be impacted. So, you know, as we ask these questions that your book brings up too, it is, it's a redefinition of who we are 
as a country, who we are as the human race. You know, how do we want to maybe do things differently in the future? Because otherwise we're going to get a lot more of what we don't want. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's time to spark some change. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that's exactly where your the title of your book came from is recognizing that, you know, change is very, very important. Um, and we can't be afraid of it. I know that it's the hardest thing in the world for anybody to do, but if you are afraid of making that first step to changing, then nothing will ever be different. <laughs> yeah, and I hope that people will find some comfort and guidance in this book. Um, it was really my intention to offer people some coaching as I do with clients, you know, that they could have in their own hands. Not everybody wants to come into a coaching setting. So um, this gives people things to reflect on and um, each question has guidance with it to help them think around it and come to their own solutions. So I hope that it can be helpful to people. Oh, I absolutely believe that uh, the book is going to make a huge difference in a great many lives. Um, I certainly have, am recommending it to friends and people that I know need to ask these tough questions and I'm telling them to get a journal. You know, they don't have to do it all at one time, but grab the book, sit down with a journal, you know, start where they are led to start because it might not be at chapter one. It might be someplace else. But uh, I really loved having you as part of the show today, and I hope you enjoyed being on it too. I did. Thank you so much, Lucy. It's been a great conversation, and I, I appreciate your support and enthusiasm and wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Um, give them one more time. It will be on uh, the synopsis. Uh, I carry everything archived as well as it being a podcast, but uh, it'll be archived at uh, www.synergyconnectionradio.com. And uh, so your information will be there as well as to how to reach you. But in case somebody's listening and has a pen or paper, uh, tell them one more time. Sure. Um, the book Spark Change is available through all booksellers, um, major and indie. And my website, if you want to reach out to me or get a free excerpt of the book, is JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. And it's Jenny with an I-E. So JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. All right. Well, again, thank you. I loved having you as my guest. And um, we will uh, stay in touch. Absolutely. And everybody who listened to the show today, if you have a friend or family member that did not get a chance to hear this, uh, send them to the website. Again, that's www.synergyconnectionradio.com. All the shows are archived there, and Jenny Lee's show will be the very top one on the list. Uh, thank you for being a listener to the Synergy Connection show. Go out there and make it your best life. Thanks, everybody. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.